This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Everyone, welcome to a DF Direct special. So about 18 months ago, in fact, uh, 18th of January 2022, uh, Microsoft announced that it was going to be acquiring Activision, Blizzard and King. Uh, a massive deal for the time. We did a DF Direct special at that time and uh, we thought we'd uh, round it off, you know, sort of bookend it with another one. And, well, because now it seems that the deal is finally reaching its conclusion after a great deal of drama. Uh, joining me to discuss it, first of all, uh, a man whose coverage I've been following like throughout the whole proceeding and uh, has done a bang-up job. He, dare I say it, he went beyond the call of duty. <laughs> it's Tom Warren from The Verge. Hello, hello. I, I, I appreciate the high praise. <laughs> and I assume the hook would be beyond the call of duty is that I was in Portugal last week next to a pool blogging about the FTC and Microsoft. <laughs> So yeah, as you do. Yeah, as, as you do. It's the, sounds like, it sounds like the perfect vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was great. <laughs> and, uh, of course, joining us also, John Linneman. Hello. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Just kind of tagging along and seeing what kind of fun stuff we can get up to when discussing the last 18 months or so. It's been, wow, it's been a ride. grind, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's felt like never um, ending. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess that's the, the first question I've got for you, Tom. Has it finally reached an end? We're in yeah. we're in the end game now. To quote Doctor Strange, yeah, we're at the final boss. <laughs> right? so, it's like it's like that scenario I saw someone tweet about. It was like everyone thought the final boss was the FTC or whatever, and then the music started, and then the CMA turns up. Where, where they're the actual <laughs> final boss um and that's essentially where we are. Does, at. does that make uh, Jim Ryan a uh, a mid boss? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> Um, but that's where we're at. So we've had these 18 months of like a pretty, pretty quiet periods in there, but then towards the end, very intense back and forth. Um, cause obviously the FTC has tried to block it and failed twice. Um, and now we are at the stage where it should be closing today, right? Like that, that was the deal deadline was today. Um, but it's not going to close today. Um, I think I can confidently say that at, at the moment, um, because so the, the main reason is because the CMA, um, the Competition Markets Authority in the UK, they blocked this deal back in April. Um, and they didn't block it because they were worried about Call of Duty and we're obviously getting into all of that sort of stuff, but they blocked it because of cloud. Um, so that's that's kind of been the main sticking point since then. It was like, well, how are they going to, how's Microsoft going to resolve this situation? Um, and there wasn't really a clear path forward. Um, some people were saying, you know, they could, um, they could essentially close over the UK ignore the fact that they've you know made a, a stipulation that they they can't merge um even glo on a global right. scale um that didn't sound realistic at the time and, and it's obviously not realistic now um and now we're at the point where the ftc has had its processes and they've obviously failed to to delay this deal to to, to bring it back to their administrative court and, and properly investigate it and all that sort of stuff um which has then led to the cma being the only regulator on the global stage um, to reject this deal now, right? Obviously, the FTC still rejects it, but they can't, they, they have no powers of, of, of stopping it at the moment. So, um, so the CMA has obviously come to the table with Microsoft. 
pretty quickly <laughs> um almost as if they were waiting right. for the ftc stuff um which the judge um in at the at tribunal yesterday pointed out as well um so obviously microsoft um took their um objections and to, to the cma blocking it to an appeal process um, and that's done through the competition appeal tribunal in the uk uh, which is essentially a set of judges that then rule on the cma and a lot of the time they kind of just pass it back to the cma um, and say look you should look at this you didn't do this right um, and then the cma makes another um, decision based on that so so essentially cma could have still blocked it um uh, or they could quash the the order of, of what the cma's um decided so um so we yesterday they had a hearing um trying to get this all in the right the timeline but yesterday they had a hearing to basically because microsoft and cma had both agreed that they would pause this appeal process to be able to negotiate um and that happened obviously after like pretty much i think <clears throat> the judge uh in the ftc case put out her ruling and then within the hour, both the CMA and Microsoft have said we're working together, um, obviously to, to calm the markets okay. and, and what's not. Right. Well, that's really interesting. You know, it sounds like the CMA has got no real choice but to come to the table and to back down, which yeah, or, or to reach some level of, uh, you know, some level of agreement here because, you know, basically they're the only people that are stopping this thing from happening at this point, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot going on. So... Uh, during the middle of the FTC process, the CMA actually filed to try and delay the appeal process, which is something that they wanted all right. along, right? So Microsoft obviously wanted it expedited. They wanted it done as quickly as possible. The CMA wanted to sort of hear it later in the year. So like say September, October time, which then would extend the decision beyond, you know, um, <clears throat> which obviously they know. The FTC knows, everyone knows that that puts the deal in jeopardy, right? Extending by months or any uncertainty makes Activision go, mm. yeah. Um, and also the, the possibility that um, someone could sweep in, like even today, if there wasn't, if they haven't agreed a, an extension, like although it can tick over, like it, it can tick over, it's still, the, the deal is still in place if they, if neither party does anything, there's still the possibility that someone could sweep in and go to Activision, okay, well, we'll pay you $96 a share or $97 a share um, to acquire you. This, that is a possibility. Um, it's an unlikely possibility, mm -hmm. but it is one. Um, so any sort of delay that goes a little bit beyond just procedural, you know, small delays puts fear into both parties. Um, so they knew if, right. if they'd extended it all that time, they, that could that could have put the deal further in jeopardy. Um, so the, the 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 CAT said, no, we're not we're gonna, not going to extend. We want this on the July 28th. So that happened right in the middle of the trial. So it kind of brought us to this to this point where the the CMA is like their arguments essentially why they want to delay is because they don't have counsel available and, and they've got to build up a case um just time constraints and stuff like that which is probably like a legitimate thing um that that they're, that they're talking about um because they have to hire outside counsel as well so um which is an expensive thing um and obviously they're taxpayer funded right um the non-ministerial department of the uk government but ultimately it's, it's paid through by the treasury um, and through taxpayers um so they have to be mindful of, of that as well um so they can't pay someone you know ten thousand pounds an hour as a lawyer whereas microsoft they absolutely do <laughs> um so yeah so they had to, to they wanted to sort of push this back a little bit um and that's where we're at now so so for them 
being the last regulator sort of left standing, shall we say, um, plus the fact that they're going to have to have this grueling six-day testimony. We already saw what it was like with the FTC. It's not it's not a particularly nice process um, for either party involved. But but often entertaining. Very entertaining. For everyone else, it's like, you know, <laughs> sit here with our popcorn. Yes. Um, we, we love all the documents coming out and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, for the parties. But this like, isn't likely to happen, is it? No. 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 So, so, so essentially what the CAT ruled yesterday is they agreed with Microsoft and the CMA. They were like, um, it took some time. It was a five-hour process. And at the beginning, the judge was a little bit like, um, he said he was concerned that the fact that they got to this point and why why not sooner, you know, um, essentially. And that's kind of what we're all thinking. Um, but um, he basically <laughs> went back and forth about the legal aspects of it and then it agreed to to pause it on some conditions that, that the CMA has to file some evidence by um, by midday Thursday. So um, so that's essentially a done deal that is, is paused. Um, the, the, the question is now is like, what is the proposal that Microsoft has put forward? Um, we, we've seen some reporting around it. Bloomberg reported that it could be them selling off their uh, cloud gaming rights in the UK to a telecommunications company, mm-hmm. gaming company, um, be what will. But I think that, when I saw that reporting, I was at telecommunications company and it was like immediately EE, right? Because the weird thing mm-hmm. about this whole, oh, isn't the, it's just an aside, but there's a lot of side deals and side deals and just just strange things that haven't really been tied together. But Microsoft made a deal with EE, which is the, the biggest mobile provider in the UK, if anyone's not, not, not aware of them. Um, and they made a deal over cloud gaming and Call of Duty, you know, the same stuff that they've made with NVIDIA and Boostroid and a bunch of other companies. But it was like, EE doesn't have a cloud gaming service. So why are they making this deal? Right, right. okay. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're hearing that they might sell off cloud gaming rights in the UK. So, you know, it, it, all, sound, okay. it all sounds like it's going towards someone like EE. So... Um, yeah, kind of bizarre. I mean, I wouldn't if I I wouldn't want to buy the cloud game because no. <laughs> no. xCloud isn't particularly great, yeah. which is maybe yeah, has been the kind of ironic thing about the whole yeah. uh, CMA situation is that you know they're raising concerns over a technology that fundamentally isn't really performant, no, exactly. and isn't great. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Um, let's sort of um, go back to you know overall objectives here because you know when we first uh, heard about the deal. It was all about Call of Duty, right? And it kind of has been all about Call of Duty for the last 18 months, yeah. even though Microsoft's making a lot of talk, um, discussion points about uh, trying to get into the mobile market, for example. Yeah. But ultimately, I think they went into this to get Call of Duty onto Game Pass, right? And yeah. fundamentally, they've achieved that, right? They've achieved that objective. Yeah, I think certainly for the console side of where, like the way that Microsoft argues it is that, if you believe this, is that they've lost the console wars. Um, export sucks, you know, they're, they're number three. Like, don't, don't worry about <laughs> that's, us. That's been amazing, hasn't it? The concept of this, you know, uh, they're well over, aren't they over a trillion dollars in market cap? And uh, yeah. they've, oh, yeah, they've lost the console Yeah, war. I know. Like, it's, yeah, and it's, the, 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 the funny thing about that is that weeks before they argued that in the FTC testimony, they're, they're, they're bragging and like how their revenues are the best they've ever been in exports, like um, f- faster. Yeah, pricing. that's what I was going to say, it's right? Like, like their revenue's in great shape on Xbox. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't, it doesn't not, add like, up, does it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they're trying to put on a sort of a, a show to yeah. make themselves seem smaller than they really are to kind of push this yeah, through, Yeah, I think right? it's, too, it's def- definitely that. And it's also that they have 
lofty ambitions for the ex- exports division, and perhaps they haven't met those um, yeah. because obviously they've they've that just, seems accurate, yeah they've put yeah. a lot of investment in and they haven't seen that change yet. Um, but whether that's you know not managing the studios in the right way or like having this hands off approach, or there, there could be a bunch of reasons for that. We're, that's that's a whole new podcast. Well. <laughs> Well, Phil, Phil Spencer came up with a remarkable assertion, uh, remarkable only in that he said it, not that it's not true, yeah. that um, basically the, the console war was basically settled in the last generation when everybody uh, or rather the majority of users um, opted into the PlayStation ecosystem. And now they're taking all of that library of games they accrued into this generation. Yeah. So the war was kind of lost back then. Right? Yeah, he essentially argued that it was like the the fact that everyone was buying the digital library, they were building that up, right? And it's that digital library that's that's into this generation, obviously the next generation. Um, I know, John, you have some some feelings about uh, the digital push. Well, no, not so much feelings. <laughs> I just thought it was, in, that was an interesting comment to me because it completely ignores the success of the Switch and Nintendo. Yeah. Because when Xbox One launched, Wii U was still a new product and failing miserably. And it would continue to fail after that point, right? Mm-hmm. It was a gigantic failure for Nintendo. And then in 2017, they brought out the Switch. And I don't think anybody predicted just how big it would be, right? And it's gone on to become one of the most successful consoles like in history. Yeah. So I feel like what whatever happened with Xbox One and PS4, there was still room to find success there and in the market. And Nintendo mm. did that. And I think Xbox could do that too. Uh, and uh, I mean, obviously, I guess that's what this part of this hopes to achieve, right? Yeah. Is to win back some of that share. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think some of it is definitely to win back some of the share. Like, there's no doubt they're not, they're not buying Activision just for, you know, mobile and, and cloud and whatever else in the future. But I think a lot of it is setting that game pass up, right, for, for the future, setting up wherever yeah. that game pass goes, if it goes to the cloud in the future. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of sort of big decades long bets um, that they're hoping will pay off eventually. And if, if they don't, then they still have that content control, right? They're still a massive publisher now. Um, Microsoft is like mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. a huge publisher with Activision on board. Yeah. What do you think the implications are of, of Call of Duty basically being, uh, you know, a game pass day one, title it's not going to happen immediately is it there's the no. existing marketing agreements with sony that need to expire yeah. but beyond that it changes the face of of game pass quite significantly i'd say for a lot of people yeah this because you know yeah it's gonna it's gonna add a, a lot of of uh, people to game pass i think once that happens um that's not going to happen till 2025 though um i think that the, the cma um revealed that in their in their sort of um their documents and filings um but yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to boost the numbers it's, so with game pass the last time we heard numbers was 25 million in january 2022 which was literally okay. alongside this this announcement of this deal and we haven't heard anything since then and they have roughly been putting out numbers before that i think it was not every quarter but like it roughly you know every few months or so they, they put out numbers to say you know we're we're going in the right direction. We haven't heard anything. But what we have heard is Phil Spencer say that 
it's got stagnant on the Game Pass side. Uh, the growth has, has stagnated. So, um, and they've switched their focus to PC Game Pass there. <clears throat> so having Call of Duty obviously is going to be on PC um, and and on consoles like a double whammy for their their sort of Game Pass ambitions there. Um, so I think that's mm. that's going to shift once that's available. Um, like the new games are available, that's that's going to be a big deal for day one. Um, and obviously they're going to put mean, a bunch of the old ones on there. Like I'd assume they they put those on absolutely. pretty much immediately. So. You know, it also made me consider uh, one really positive aspect of this for Call of Duty coming to Game Pass is that, so I actually do enjoy the single player campaigns in Call of Duty. I know most people play the multiplayer, but I like that stuff. But with Warzone going free to play and all that, I kind of was worried for a while that the campaigns might not continue, mm -hmm. right? They have to be expensive to develop. But with a situation like Game Pass, more people are likely to, to actually play the full game and i feel like something like that is something that a lot of people would enjoy and also brings extra value to the services that perhaps allows them to continue to make these campaigns uh, more you know further into the future yeah. i don't know whether they would have ever stopped it or not but you know it gives me some hope that that will continue yeah i'm, I'm definitely curious what the revenue mix is because like they'll obviously put the base game on there, but like you know how this this marketing deal they have with Sony obviously that expires in in 2024 has marketing rights for all sorts of stuff. There's like you know exclusive. I don't think there's it's a map. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but there's there's like in-game items right that are exclusive and exclusive beta access, all this sort of stuff. Um, where that mm. how do they feed that into Game Pass right? Because I feel like they'll. They, that won't be part of Game Pass, right? Those sort of like little add-ons. Probably not. You'll have to pay the extra, you know, thirty bucks. That's where the, that's where they'll that's make where money they'll make to make it more viable, I'd imagine, yeah, right? Because they get loads of people mm -hmm. playing it, and then they'll be like, "Hey, here's this in-game purchase. You can, <laughs> you've got the game free, but you can buy this, you know." So, and, and then obviously they're yeah, pocketing I mean, the money right. from the PlayStation side as well. So, yeah, yeah, which is quite remarkable. I mean, yeah. um. I guess that was another thing that came out in the uh, in the legal proceedings was just how big Call of Duty is yeah. for for Sony. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars of revenue there. Yeah. Um, post, you know, twenty twenty four, is that going to be changing radically? I guess at that point, people will still be on PlayStation Five. They're kind of locked into that ecosystem. Yeah, I think. So I think the the thing that will change is their revenues will shift slightly, um, and we don't know in terms of the deal that they've just signed over the weekend what that means in terms of the mix of revenue split. Because obviously the standard is 70-30, but we know that Microsoft um, testified in court that they they were bullied down to a certain revenue mix, <laughs> shall we say, by Bobby Kotick, because he said, "Wow, you can't have the next optimized version of Call of Duty for Xbox Series X unless you do this, essentially. So we know that those sort of deals happen all the time. Um, but but what, what deal did they strike with Microsoft and Sony for that? You know, that, that that revenue split. Is it still 70-30? Is there some flexibility there? Like, can they renegotiate um, sooner than those 10 years? Or we don't really know. So and Microsoft and Sony are going to say. What we did see during the FTC uh, proceedings were, uh, quote, unquote, the emails. <laughs> yeah. The back and forth between, uh, yeah. <laughs> between Phil and Jim Ryan, where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Phil was basically offering to put um, Call of to, to retain Call of Duty on PlayStation along with all existing Activision IPs. Yeah. And then Jim countered with um, basically. Uh, he wanted that, and he wanted um, like-for-like subscription rights, yeah. a whole bunch of additional requirements, mm -hmm. and um, the concept of bringing 
uh, Bethesda games back <laughs> to, uh, to to PlayStation. I think it's one thing we could possibly take away from this deal um, is that basically Phil has kind of not only won, but actually doesn't have to do a lot of the stuff that he originally offered. Is that right? Well, yeah. So the, the original deal that they offered to Sony in, I think it was in the January 2022, was essentially um, Call of Duty f- until 2027. Um, and other Activision yeah. games that were already on console and future versions of those that were on console. Um, but obviously they had some back and forths and I think it was an August email where um, uh, Jim Ryan wasn't happy with the list of Activision games because it was like, like, for example, it had Overwatch but not Overwatch 2. So there was obviously some disputes. I, yeah. I think that, that email there, when it was talking about the list, was that's what Sony or, or, or um, Jim Ryan said set off like red alarm bells and um, ringing in, in Sony HQ because they realized that, you know, Microsoft wasn't going to ad- adhere to every single game going forward. They, they'd maintain the games, but not necessarily bring the newer versions there. Um, and then that, that really pushed uh, Sony towards filing, filing, you know, with the CMA complaining, and the EU and other regulators. Mm. I think that's where communications broke down, essentially. And then the deal we've got mm. now, obviously all that process has happened, um, is it's a 10-year deal just for Call of Duty, which is right. that actually, interesting. That seems like a better deal, though, because four years doesn't seem like it's all that valuable at this point. Games take so long to make. A lot of big games have just hit, like Diablo 4. Yeah. Like, what what big Activision games could even get made within the next four years, right? Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. beyond apart, apart Call, Call of Duty. Duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so, so, so it is arguably a better a better deal because it's it's a longer, you know, maintaining that sort of um well, we don't don't exactly know the terms of the deal, but definitely maintaining Call of Duty on PlayStation for sure. Um and there's got they've got to Microsoft's got to have offered them some stuff as well, um, in, in that deal. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's definitely um definitely very similar to whatever they offered um nintendo because it seems it seems the same because right. nintendo only got the the call of duty side of things as well even though brad smith did originally tweet they included other xbox games which was like huh <laughs> um and then he deleted that tweet <laughs> and clarified it was call of duty so i don't know right okay yeah. fair enough i mean um there was the question raised through the proceeding also that um Sony may be less than forthcoming in giving Microsoft access to PlayStation 6 development kits. Um, Surely to retain Call of Duty and to have a performant version of Call of Duty, one that isn't just, you know, PS5 running under back compat, that has now got to be a change right yeah that that was a really interesting thing wasn't it in the, the ftc case because the way that the ftc actually argued that is that, that, that they said that, um or microsoft like testified saying that you know sony didn't delayed us getting ps5 dev kits um for minecraft right um and mm. and then the ftc was arguing that there was no optimized version still like they they <clears throat> they punished um sony but it's like there's no optimized version on xbox series s and x either <laughs> so it's like no there is exactly like they're punching, still the xbox one version. they're punishing themselves although, well. <laughs> although you have played the ray-traced version yeah of when they accidentally published it right? when they we accidentally have, revealed really. it yeah we we played it at microsoft campus ah, like three okay. years ago yeah. but you actually yeah. played it in the in, in the, the open I did. where they accidentally <laughs> where they accidentally released I know, it and it was like and 10 then, frames uh, a second. unlaunched it <laughs> It was. Uh, it wasn't very good. I think. 
th- these concerns over the dev kit stuff, like, oh, we didn't, you know, sending PS6 dev kits to Microsoft, yeah. that seems really silly and unfounded to me as a real potential avenue for worry yeah. for a couple of reasons. First of all, by the time Sony would be sending dev kits out, uh, they both companies, I'd imagine, would be far enough along in the console yeah. development cycle where there's no way that anything they see there could possibly influence the next machine. Yeah. Beyond that, like, these types of deals happen all the time with like confidential hardware it's not difficult to imagine you know separating this stuff in a way where it's like all right these people can have access to it you know they cannot talk with these other people and if they did at some point and something was actually proven to have been taken from seeing these kits early that's a serious legal problem right so i feel like it behooves everyone to not get into a situation where they're trying to copy each other's homework so to speak so i really don't think it's a valid concern yeah well you say that john but you know um in theory right the xbox series x should be comprehensively beating playstation 5 on any platform comparison that we do because it's the more powerful uh, piece of hardware but we're not seeing that right it's a, but that's that's more of a software thing not well maybe it hardware, is right? but that uh, absolutely but you know if you have access to playstation uh, development hardware you're much closer to finding out the reasons why that's happening uh, yeah, because true. you know you can go under the hood and figure out uh, figure that out so i do see some level of uh justification for veterans in giving microsoft access to playstation 5 development of hardware, even when the specs are locked. But you're quite right, John. I mean, you know, again, when we were at Microsoft in 2020, uh, the, the layout of the of the Series X APU uh, was was decided in 2016. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's Although kind of... Maybe Sony just doesn't want another Xbox 360 PS3 situation, like that whole IBM thing where uh, they kind of swooped into IBM and decided to use the PS3 cell core as the foundation for the CPU in the 360. And they're all like kind of like covertly placed on different floors within <laughs> within the IBM center. It was crazy. Well, from what I understand, there is actually a really good level of separation within AMD uh, between the Sony and That's Microsoft prod- products. They, they Neither sense, of them yeah. knows what the other one is doing, and it has you to be to, like yeah. that, yeah. especially after the Xbox 360 situation where, <laughs> where you know, essentially um, uh, it turned out that there were certain bugs within the Xbox 360 CPU that were... Um, according to certain sources, fixed by Sony engineers, uh, <laughs> which is just like absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, let's let's just quickly um, go back to uh, this this whole Call of Duty thing, because um, part of the uh, argument that Microsoft put forward was essentially that um, hey, this is actually a great deal for gamers because we're going to be bringing Call of Duty to more platforms than it's ever had before. And part of this was uh, distribution via cloud platforms. Okay, fair enough. But um, a big thing that they brought up was the concept that <laughs> uh, they're going to be bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And there were discussions about whether this is technically feasible. And uh, I did see Microsoft's arguments about this, which was essentially, well, you know, Fortnite runs on Nintendo Switch, so why not Warzone and stuff like that? Uh, John, I'm I'm interested in in whether you think, I think we've discussed this before, but do you think they could do something Mm. like Modern Warfare 2 or Warzone on Nintendo Switch? I would say the more pertinent issue here or the point here would be that this is something I could see going forward with new switch hardware, like their next generation machine. That's yeah, yeah, sure. But that's, that wasn't but as far argument. as right. But for the switch as it is now, I mean, engines are very scalable these days, but 
I think in this case, scaling it down to the Switch would result in a very ugly, uh, not great performing product. I don't think you'd have the 60 frames per second that COD is known for. I think you'd give up like an insane amount of graphical detail to get there because the engineers working on these projects over the years, I don't believe, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I can't imagine that Switch was ever a target for the technology that they built where they were thinking, yeah, we got to ensure that this is scalable enough to run on the switch and not to say that it can't but i think what would what you'd get out of it is a bad call of duty experience that's not worth having and i also think cloud is not the solution there either because the switch the switch's networking features are (laughs) slow enough where cloud gaming has never worked well on there there's been a lot of cloud releases and they're all bad the switch itself can't seem to support it uh, at all so mm-hmm. I just don't see any viable path to having a product that I would consider good enough on the switch at this point. It, it just feels like it, it would, it would have the feeling of a cash grab basically, because it, I don't think you could do it proper justice on the switch. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. And I think that we probably would have heard a lot more about this situation if the Nintendo, so they, they were at the FTC case, but what they said was all under seal. So it was, it was which I was like, ah, when, when, they, when they came in the morning and said that it was all going to be under seal, I was like, ah, oh, man. Because I knew the day before um, Bobby Kotick had testified and he, he kind of mentioned a next generation switch, right? I don't know if it, that was by mm, mistake yep. um, or not, but <clears throat> I certainly can't imagine Nintendo would have wanted him talking about that. Um, but that kind of hinted at it, at it I think. So I think the, re- the, re- the realistic thing is that they're probably targeting this next generation switch. Um, they probably, they've probably talked yeah. about that under, under oath, um, but under seal. Um, and that they, they might try and get it on the original switch, but they'll, they'll, they'll try for like a week and then they'll be like, we couldn't do it. We have to do it by the cloud. You know, like that's that's the most realistic thing, and yeah, that's gonna suck, right? So uh, yeah, I, I did I did ask Brad Smith about this when um, in February when they stood up and did the Nvidia announcement. I said, well, um, obviously they on that day they also reiterated the in, Nintendo um, deal that they had actually signed in December, but they just kind of announced it again that day, perhaps to put pressure on Sony to sign. Um, and I asked Brad Smith like. Well, how how are you going to bring this to switch then um like what's what like technically how you can do this and and they were like we, we don't have the answer to that right now like so it's, it's just it, well yeah you no, and and i think that not yet no, and, but, the, but they, they surely they should i actually asked him whether it's gonna be native or cloud and they, they they didn't have the answer but surely they would have some sort of way but you see the whole thing just doesn't really make sense because bobby kotick didn't even know about it until it was in media reports which is like okay <laughs> exactly like, okay but yeah i mean e- again cloud isn't really viable on switch either so that yeah. that wouldn't be a good solution there but what it did make me consider here is conceivably the next generation switch arrives we'd have to imagine at best it's a console that could maybe get around playstation 4 level hardware mm-hmm. i mean we know what's in the mobile space right now what's feasible on that low amount of power draw right yeah which would mean that it couldn't go too far over what we expect. Uh, but that also means then that consoles like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One could potentially mm-hmm. still remain viable for Call of Duty. Yeah, true. So could we be looking at a situation where Call of Duty just remains effectively on last generation platforms? Like, you know, as in the near and maybe even far future, like at what point do they change platforms? Do they ever leave them behind? Like, I'm curious. We've not been in this situation before because by now, 
uh, last generation, Call of Duty would have been dropped on last gen consoles. And the last version of Call of Duty on those machines was, I think it was multiplayer only and like massively stripped down before they completely killed it. Mm Uh, so far, they seem to be keeping feature parity, and if they want to bring it to Switch, they'd want, well, the new Switch, they'd want feature parity again. So we could be looking at Call of Duty on basically being cross-gen for a long time. Well, I have visited uh, the Infinity War Tech Hub in Poland a couple of times, and I do think that um, support for uh, base PlayStation 4 is going to be in there for quite some time, mm-hmm. and that ties in perfectly with this, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, it's kind of like the way forward to do it on the next generation Switch. But you know, the Microsoft pledge was all about 150 million extra potential players for Call of Duty, which means you've got to factor in the existing Switch into that. Yeah. Which um... which is problematic. Um, it was quite interesting. I noticed uh, The Verge was. Uh, quoted quite extensively in uh, Microsoft's um, uh, documents of the FTC trial and whatnot. Uh, I'm just glad they didn't put any of my documents in there, any of my articles in there, because it wouldn't have been particularly flattering in terms of whether Call of Duty is going to be viable on, on, on Nintendo Switch. In actual fact, I'm actually quite happy that there wasn't much mention of Digital Foundry and legal documents because historically, thinking of the whole Killzone native 1080p debacle, oh, that's, that's, ne- never, never, that's never turned out particularly you, you well. You were mentioned at the CMA documents though, right? Sony Sony said... Really? Yeah, they said uh, that it was key to win sort of Digital Foundry comparisons, right? That's what they said. Oh, okay, yeah. right. It was like one of the key things about the Call of Duty for them, so yeah. Well, they do generally. Um, that's the yeah. that's the, the weird thing. There was lots of discussion. Actually, this is the other thing we uh, the sort of um, uh, thing that kind of rankled me about some of Sony's assertions was was that um, Microsoft could potentially sabotage oh, no. um, <laughs> the, play, the PlayStation versions of Call oh, of Duty. God. And you know, I've I've met the the tech team yeah. at Infinity Ward, the the yeah the engine architects. And it, it that's just like it's insulting, isn't it? You know, really unthinkable. Yeah, uh, yeah insulting, unthinkable. When you think about what these guys are doing, and of course, the irony being at the moment that uh, Call of Duty has a technical advantage on PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. uh, not not a massive one, but it but it is what yeah. it is. Right? I can't. I, I suspect it's not even intentional, and I think that's usually the case with this stuff. Ever developers want to ship equal versions on all platforms they don't want one to become the talking point over another right yeah. that's not good for business necessarily yeah i think i think mm-hmm. their, their their argument obviously at the, the top end of it just didn't sound like that reasonable but when you get into the weeds it's like there is a certain aspect where over the years once you've become more familiar with a platform that you know, you're working under the platform holder you'll get sort of early access to stuff you might not support stuff you know, like like the the controller obviously that on, on the ps5 um you might not support those mm. sort of things necessarily or, or or as quickly and i think that's that's kind of part of sony's argument is like they'll have the upper hand because they're obviously sharing stuff earlier um so some of these features right. on next gen consoles would be supported quicker on on the export side and that that makes the Call of Duty Xbox games seem better for a period of time right. or whatever. So I think that, that does have that's reasonable, it, I think. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other, like intentionally degrading the game is like, come on, that's, that's not realistic going to happen. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't benefit Microsoft either because the sales won't be as good. So it's just, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, just bizarre. Yeah. So at the moment, as things stand, I mean, 
it's almost a fait accompli that the deal is going to go through. Um, it's mm. just the CMA sort of standing in the way. And their objections are all about the cloud, uh, yeah. which is quite ironic considering, you know, the, the numbers that are using xCloud are actually quite low from what we can gather. Yeah. Uh, and we all know that the quality of the service is <clears throat> not competitive with the best out there. Um, so, I mean, what, what I just don't understand what the argument is from the CMA against um, against Microsoft and its apparent dominance in a in a market sector that nobody really seems to care about right now. <laughs> yeah, so, so so the way that the EU did it um, when they they obviously they had problems with the cloud as well. Just to be to be clear, um, and obviously the FCC did as well, but they they didn't really didn't really argue it very well. Um, but the way the EU did it, um, just to show how it's kind of different to the to the UK situation, is they they kind of went out to market participants, so like Nvidia, Boostroid a bunch of these different companies <clears throat> and they said, are you happy with the situation at the moment? Um, and obviously those companies, NVIDIA was against it originally. Um, so they came back and said, no, this is like, this is going to harm us. This is what they've done in the past, all this sort of stuff. So then the EU has raised that as an issue. And then Microsoft's come up with these 10 year deals with them. They've given them all these deals. Then the EU comes back to these market participants, the same ones and, and says, are you happy now? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, of course we're happy now. So then that's like case closed for them essentially, <laughs> um, which is like one way of doing things, right? Like the EU does it their way. Um, but you, you don't consider a, a market as whole there because that's just, the relevant players right now it doesn't necessarily look at the the broader picture in like a decade um or, or the, the theory of harm that could 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 happen there whereas the cma um was saying that these deals um aren't like necessarily um an, enough um and that essentially they can they contain a bunch of shortcomings connected with them that would sort of hold back um, any innovation or the fast moving sort of nature of cloud gaming um yeah whether we agree it's fast moving or not um but basically they're saying that it didn't cover enough sort of cloud gaming service um model business models like including multi-game subscription services like game pass um and it wasn't sufficiently open to other operating systems other than windows so it's kind of like these deals were locked down to windows um and then also that if if everyone just agrees these deals um that it kind of like standardize the, the terms and conditions that microsoft like allows these games to be on on these other cloud platforms so they they're, they're kind of concerned right. about the the harm around there um and i think i kind of very much agree with the windows stuff um because i don't think i think these deals obviously microsoft's made a deal with nvidia they've also done like a suite in a deal perhaps on the side the ftc kind of mentioned it we don't know the exact details, mm. but I think it's, a, it's kind of suggested that they did some sort of deal around the Windows server licensing there um, because obviously NVIDIA needs right. that. Um, to They don't need it, but it's just the, the most optimal way for them to deliver games at the moment. Um, but what this all means, if, if every cloud provider is is um, agreeing to these deals, then they're kind of stuck on Windows, right? And where's the, where's the innovation in the future? If, if cloud gaming is going to be a thing, where's the innovation there if everyone's stuck on Windows? There's, there's no incentive for Microsoft to make Windows better um, for the for the cloud if they don't have some solid competition. And obviously, we already know that Linux is more than capable of running these games on, on Proton. We see it with Steam, with the Steam Deck, right? Um, that's mm -hmm. like the biggest mm -hmm. competitor we've ever had to Windows gaming, like I think ever. Um, if you if you port that operating system onto a desktop PC and powered it, 
what could it be capable of? We don't we don't know. But like that that seems like the biggest competition to the Windows sort of dominance of PC gaming that we've that we've ever really seen. Um, and it, this okay. this just prevents that from from really happening on the on the on the server side. I think, and it was something that Amazon were in, they have been investigating to, to put Luna onto Linux and to to, to use Proton. Um, we didn't hear from Amazon. Right. Um, in, in any of this we heard obviously from google opposing it uh, with the ftc but it was, it was strange that we didn't see hear from amazon um but i think that is right. that is a relative i think that is a key theory of harm um just allowing microsoft to just to, to keep that that dominance of windows in the, in the pc gaming space and apply it to the cloud um but yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure what can actually be done about that because yeah. we've seen what happened when somebody tried to do a non-windows cloud gaming system basically the uh, the end result is that it required uh, developers to, to to actually put in more effort yeah. to produce a Lin linux version of the game which they wouldn't have uh, necessarily done beforehand yeah and um, the end result of that for google was that they literally were paying developers and publishers millions of dollars to do that work yeah. and to put the games onto their system um i'm wondering if windows is kind of just you know part of the furniture at this point i mean as you say though proton could be a game changer for that yeah and we've obviously yeah. seen that on the mac side of things as well right like there's there's a lot of things lining up to sort of push on microsoft's dominance of pc gaming so what do you what do you think this means for uh so activision sort of returned to steam in a big way right yeah do you foresee this can continuing going forward or do you think there could be a point where microsoft says you know nah this is all going on the xbox store all into BattleNet again and we're not doing steam releases i would really hope not because the, the way that they have been going is is the opposite direction right they've been opening up more of their titles to steam so i think that would yeah, yeah exactly that That's, would i hope it continues yeah i think they'll obviously if they do game that game will if when <laughs> they do game pass for call of duty that will definitely be on the xbox so like, we already know that they had some discussions with valve around game pass but that's that doesn't seem to be going anywhere right now um so that'll obviously be locked down um so down there but i think the, the more key thing is what launcher will they use right is it going to be bnet is it going to be this the xbox app which <sighs> even after well, years it's still this this creates well, issues i'm just thinking of stuff like steam deck becoming popular right yeah, like true all those types of launchers and other things can actually get in the way and make it really difficult to use games on the Steam Deck without installing Windows and yeah. installing Windows on Steam Deck is not good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like they'll, they'll they'll still keep stuff on Steam for sure. Like, I, I can't imagine they would they would pull that. Um, but it's, it's probably case by case, right, for, for Microsoft, which I think yeah. it, it has been so far. Sure, yeah, yeah. naturally. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, Tom, right. but... There is some great news of this. Within this, uh, was it $68, $69 billion acquisition, Microsoft has actually now got a decent PC games launcher. Yeah, exactly. The only, <laughs> the only thing they need to do, they just need to take Beanet and then make it like good for yes. good for like hundreds of games. Because obviously there's not a ton of games on there right now. So like the interface kind of like scales within that that set of games um but if they can if they can just tweak that then they've got a great pc launcher right just get rid of that xbox app it would be really great to, to, to actually be able to download games on my pc and know that i'll actually be able to a download them completely and b play them yeah that and that awesome. they're actually on your hard drive in a space that you can control yeah. <laughs> that's not been locked down by some weird permissions so. um yeah, I, don't, I think the thing is like Crazy. pc gamers don't care about xbox right 
um, they don't care about the Xbox app yeah. on, on Windows. I think from my experience, that's, that's most people don't, don't really care about that. Like that, like they didn't really care about Discord getting games or having a games hub. Like people just don't care about that. They care about Steam, right? Um, but they, but they don't, they don't mind Beanet. I think from my from my experience as a PC game, I think most people would probably say, okay, that's not a bad launcher. So I think they really need to look at that and go, okay, that's that's our foundation now for for our PC launcher um, stuff, and. and and put the Xbox mm. app back to being just yeah. just an extension for the console, essentially. Is there anything that we can draw from everything we've learned over the last 18 months about Microsoft's mobile strategy here? Because that seems to be a big deal whenever it's brought up, but specifics are kind of uh, thin on the ground. But what we, what we do know is that uh, the EU is trying to break up um, uh, Apple and Google's kind of dominance of mobile app stores, right? Yeah. That's so right. is this part of the strategy? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, if you if you listen to Microsoft um, and just listen to that only argument that it is the, literally that it was all about mobile. Um, I don't I don't think it was all about mobile, um, but I think a, a good deal of, a part of it was um, having a, a deal in place so that they could get all these mobile games. Obviously, they're acquiring King, so you're going to get the, the Candy Crush sort of side of things. Um, but there's also Call of Duty Mobile, right? Um, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and Activision obviously publishes that one. Um, so alongside of all of this sort of like deal making, um, we've had the DMA, um, the Digital Me- uh, Market, is it Markets Act? Yeah, Digital Markets Act in Europe, um, which essentially um, will end apple's um ability just to have their own app store on on their iphone so the the idea is that they have rival app stores um essentially um and so microsoft is working towards that in a way that they're building their own xbox mobile store um which they hope that this act Mm. will enforce that and allow them to have their own store there um obviously that's something that epic wants as well we've we've heard that quite quite loudly in in that court case um and i think we've Phil's mentioned it very briefly, um, but the idea is that they have an Xbox mobile store where they offer their games in. How exactly that all works and how Game Pass ties into that and stuff, we don't really know. Um, but there was mention in the FTC case of a, an Xbox Game Pass mobile subscription, so you can think you can you can see where they're they're kind of thinking of the future where they 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 bundle these mobile games up as well into a subscription. Um, so, do you think? Um... Sorry, I was. I'm just wondering why, why you're on this topic. Do you think that they will actually uh, merge the King mobile games with the Xbox brand, or do you think they will keep that as a separate entity? Yes, I. It depends in in terms of how they would merge it, but I think they would definitely try to put them on Game Pass, right, and try to bundle them in, them in right. that way. Um, but I think King's still kind of strong and it's and it does it's kind of does its own thing right so um yeah exactly it's kind of an isolated thing yeah so i'd, I'd imagine i'd imagine for the next you know how much does with his acquisitions like with bethesda it was all hands off and redfall happened um and all the all this hands-off stuff i think that's going to be very much the same with with activision so I've, i think king will still be pretty separate um they'll just take the opportunities like like they do with the marketing stuff um and obviously the big shame uh, game showcase and stuff every every summer like they'll, they'll take the opportunities there initially and um, to put stuff onto game pass i think that's that that's realistically right now but yeah in 10 years i don't know like it could be We'll see what they do with the brands. So. Okay. Um, right. So we've got this final legal hurdle to clear. Yeah. And then basically they, they, they close, right? Money changes hands. A preposterously large 
uh, world-altering amount of money yeah. changes hands and uh, Microsoft gets uh, ABK. And uh, I guess, you know, what happens after that? I guess based on what we saw with Bethesda, it would be sort of business as usual for a couple of years, if not longer. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess my question is, you know, what do we want to happen, right? I mean, because I don't think... John, you're particularly interested in Call of Duty, but you are interested in a lot of the IP that Activision has had over the years. I mean, uh, you cited uh, the Tony Hawk remake as one of your games of the year that year. It was, yeah, it was really good. What yeah, else would you I like mean, to see? I would like to see them go back into that catalog. I, you know, obviously Phil had his Hexen shirt on recently. I'd like that. Uh, he but, did he did disavow the hexen t-shirt pretty no, quickly there afterwards i know though, i know he? but i will say this the, the state when you look at you go to activision.com you go to their games site they start by showing a whole bunch of call of duty games they still show tony hawks one and two and then they show crash bandicoot four then you scroll down and you realize their entire catalog is pretty much like crash and spyro call of duty and tony hawk i guess and then if you scroll down further you still see some old skylander mm -hmm. stuff tony hawk's pro skater hd for ps3 and 360 is still on this list the point here is that activision's like games have been extremely narrow focused for a very long time they have such a rich history of ip and they've just let it all fall by the wayside and they focused on these big money making games uh, obviously Microsoft is in the business of making money. They want to continue to make money, but because it's a much larger company and they'll have access to all this IP now, I would like to see them be able to take that and perhaps accept pitches from studios or, you know, seek out other studios to potentially revive things that they might be interested in. It also opens the door for companies like say night dive, like, what if they could now go to Microsoft and say, hey, we want to work on these properties that were Activision owned. Maybe we didn't have access that, to that before. Now we can. You know, I don't know what they're going to bring. I don't want to just make a wish list of stuff that would be cool, but I like to think of it from the perspective of now the doors open to there are now a larger pool of developers that could potentially have access to this IP in a way that pretty much didn't exist anymore in the world of Activision. Right. So from that side, I'm. I have some hope for the future there. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, yeah. I'm looking like a, I have like an org chart here, essentially of like how Activision and Blizzard and King will fit into Xbox and all their relevant sort of studios and stuff. And you look at the Activision side of it, and it, it it's literally just Call of Duty, right? Like it, there's obviously a bunch of IP: Crash, Spyro, Skylanders, Tony Hawk. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, like that that stuff's in there, and it's it's under the relevant studios, but. It is all. It's eight and a half thousand people at Activision, or more more than that now, um, that are really kind of just support studios for Call of Duty at this point. Um, and they, like you say, they do have so much good, rich IP that they could revive there in in many different ways. Right? It doesn't necessarily even have to be a game. It could be crossovers, all this sort of stuff. Like there's going to sure. be a bunch of stuff, I'm sure. Um, they'll do. Um, but on the Blizzard side, that's where those ips are still strong right like those are those are alive and kicking yep, yep. um so so that's that's definitely the more i think the blizzard side for me is the more interesting one um personally because obviously um what's it, warcraft is still it's still i can't remember how many people are playing it right now but it's still it's still alive and and, and well so i mean diablo is having a moment so um for sure and overwatch 2 mm, hasn't been that great um 
I don't think from playing it. Um, but yeah, I've, <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all fits together and what they do with those old IPs, um, whether they revive them. I've, I, I really hope they do. I'm also curious about the future uh, because so Activision's in this weird case. So if you look at their last 20 years or so, they would like sort of laser focus on one very popular IP and then drive it into the ground. They did that with Tony Hawk. They yeah. did it with, with Guitar, Guitar Hero. Yeah. They did it with uh, the Skylander stuff. That's what they do. Call of Duty has lasted longer than usual, mm. but I think we're at this point where you look at the last few years of Call of Duty, they're still great games, they're still making a ton of money, but they stopped being the trendsetter, right? Call of Duty defined console multiplayer for years. They were the trendsetter. Yeah. Everybody was following Call of Duty. Call of Duty is now basically following Fortnite and PUBG. I mean, PUBG's kind of lost its relevance as well, but they're kind of following Fortnite, right, with the Warzone stuff. And the other, the rest of Call of Duty is still the traditional Call of Duty package. It's very well made. People do like it, but they're no longer setting the trends, so to speak. And I'm wondering at what point does Call of Duty begin the downward trend, you know, where it's no longer like the big game that it once was. Mm -hmm. Activision traditionally had something else waiting in the wings, right? Like when Tony Hawk started to fade down, Guitar Hero was there to sort of save the day, right? Yeah. And then Call of Duty was rising up during that. They don't have anything like that right now. And I feel like because of that, without this acquisition, it could it could have gone bad for Activision at a certain point if they didn't properly set themselves up for some kind of future success, right? I, I suppose at some point Destiny could have been on that chart as like a big part of them for like pushing forward, but obviously that's, you know... That that was never really truly an Activision IP, right? Yeah, they, they were had the like publisher, a... but Bungie retained the rights on yeah. that. It was a special deal. So uh, at least here, I'd be curious to see if basically what's next for Activision stuff. Is there going to be like a successor to those big games that becomes the next trendsetter that puts them back on, on top there? Can Xbox help them achieve that? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it look like? That's all stuff I've been thinking about with Activision. Yeah, no, it's, it's also, is Call of Duty too big to fail, right? Like that, that's that's the, the big question. Like, what is the direct competition to Call of Duty that that's can replace it, right? And, and you mentioned, obviously, Destiny. And Destiny's a similar sort of game, right? It's a game that everyone says, oh, it's, it's dying, it's dead, but it's been going for, like, 10 years now or whatever. Um, and, like, that still does, there's still not a Destiny killer. There's still not something that's quite, the same as it and it's it's no. kind of the same call of duty so but that, that 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 clock is definitely ticking right like it's when is there going to be something like Fortnite or something else that that pulls even more attention away from from call of duty um ubisoft's trying um sony has a studio right that, that's trying to build something to compete with call of duty um i think it's whenever someone delivers something that really pulls the eyeballs away in a significant way it's that's you're, you're right, but I'm not even sure it's about making a Call of Duty killer. It's like finding the next big thing, yeah, right? Because, yeah, like, sure. you know, Tony Hawk, Guitar Hero, Skylanders, Call of Duty, they have nothing to like. But they were each, like, the only thing they have in, in common is the fact that they were, like, the premier IP for Activision at some point. Yeah. So I'm wondering, do they have something that they could come up with that's that fills that role that's beyond Call of Duty, something else completely? Yeah. Something like, new. is the call, how, how long would that Call of Duty model remain, like, I think you're right that it's probably too big to fail at this point. Like it's going to continue to do well, but I'm not sure it's going to be like, you know, setting new standards anymore going forward. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. We don't know yet. 
Well, you know, Call of Duty's been written off many times in its past. I guess the it, the yeah. classic one was Call of Duty Ghosts uh, yeah. on the uh, PS4, Xbox One launch, where um, this was a genuine opportunity for Battlefield to actually produce a better game that would change the, the momentum, you know, uh, between mm-hmm. the two franchises irrevocably. But it didn't happen because Battlefield wasn't good enough. Yes, yeah, um, And, you know, they, they bounced yeah, they, they bounced back, right? You know, Call of Duty Ghosts wasn't great, but, you know, you look at what they were doing with um, Modern Warfare 2019, I'd say, that, you know, that, that was a juggernaut. That was, you know, yeah. more than a return to form. And then they were followed that up with Warzone, which again was brilliant. Mm. Um, they do seem to be facing issues now with um, Warzone 2. You know, I sort of had an internal groan when I saw Homelander appearing as a guest character in Warzone 2 because this is just like not Call of Duty and not Warzone. It's chasing a fad almost of, you know, um, uh, stunt casting uh, equivalents, if you like. It's just utterly bizarre. So, yeah, I do think there needs to be some kind of... um, uh, what can I say? Some kind of uh, renaissance for Call of Duty and a reinvention at some point. And in terms of other franchises that are going to come along, well, when your entire studio structure is built around Call of Duty, it's got to come within Call of Duty. It's not going to come from anywhere else, right? Yeah, like it's literally just built all on top of it. It's crazy, like how they've done that. I mean, that's that's all eggs in one basket, right it there. Is, yeah. But, well, you know, if Sony are to be, to be believed, that is the one basket, according to their own uh, legal filings. Yeah, and Sony yeah. Sony said there's yeah, nothing yeah. quite like Call of Duty, right? Like, there's, you know, and th- they could, no one can build anything quite like it. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. but em- empires can fall, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I think we're reaching the end of our discussion here, but uh, one final point. Uh, John, do you have any final words for Phil Spencer if he's watching this? <laughs> um just uh hi phil (laughs) yeah hi phil uh i mean again making wish lists doesn't really make a difference here on any of this stuff but i i do hope that they do consider looking back at some of the classic ip that activision holds and allowing studios to do stuff do something with it allow that to happen allow those pitches to happen and really find a way to bring this stuff forward by the people that could actually do it and care i think there Mm -hmm. could be some real wins there and that's the kind of stuff you know the it's it's the big games are important for making money right but it's the small stuff that really wins over the pop population Mm -hmm. the game playing population right those are the projects that that create that sort of like that positive energy around a platform and i really think that that that's the kind of stuff they really need to focus on. And I hope they have more of it coming. Hi-Fi Rush, not Activision, but a perfect example of what I'm talking about. We right. need more stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Game Pass is actually an enabler for that kind of stuff, right? That's the hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any final thoughts there, uh, Tom? Like I said earlier, I just want Battle.net to be the PC launcher, Phil. Come on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get rid of that Xbox app and, and make it Battle.net. I'll be happy. <laughs> So. I, I'm okay. I agree with I that. I think every time I speak to Phil, it's always like I'm moaning about the Xbox app on PC, though. So he's probably got used to it by now. Okay. So so he must be aware of it. Oh, he's very much aware of it. I think, yeah. I mean, it's always been a, a bit of a thorn in the side for over the years. So. And I think a lot of it is, though, is, is the Windows side, right? Like the way that they, they went for the UWP stuff. And yeah. 
Yeah, oh, that I was mean, another massive misfire, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. All this, all their app stuff. It's like it feels like when you dedicate hard drive space to or SSD space to installing a game. There's this risk that like, <laughs> am I even going to be able to get that space back? Because a black hole, go some black hole, <laughs> right? That just yeah. that just eats up your SSD over time, and you can't touch it. Yeah. They fixed. Like they that, fixed. That some does of happen, that, but it's, uh, it's better. It's better, but still, still. yeah. Or the update stuff where a game will keep trying to update and then it just like basically doubles in size yeah. and you're like, why are you eating all the space? Stop. Flight Simulator is just... literally the worst for that. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. You need like a dedicated drive just for the. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Here's my ex- just for Xbox Flight Sim. Game Pass drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. I think I had to boot into Linux once just to get the permissions fixed on it once on the, on the folder because that's just like what is happening there. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah that's not great uh, i mean from my perspective final final thoughts here is more about the future of the whole xbox business really because um i think they need to be uh, radical and daring um we've been talking about this on the direct a few times now but uh, i think microsoft are in on doing a a gen 10 console right and we know that sony you know they're talking about ps6 in this uh, legal stuff i'm not sure what the gain will be from uh for microsoft other than backwards compatibility to to do another amd box which mm. will because of you know pricing uh, considerations and you know build costs and whatnot will inevitably be very very similar once again to whatever box sony comes out with yeah so you know maybe there maybe there are other routes forward there maybe there is uh the chance to do something with uh nvidia where they've got very different technologies that could actually not only produce game-changing experiences, but also more closely align them with the PC space that they really want to to associate Xbox with. Uh, I'd just be looking for something a bit more daring from Xbox rather than just doing... I think all signs from from this generation and and the way that Microsoft even made the Xbox Series X look like a PC. (laughs) Um, It it all signs point (laughs) towards that sort of architecture, right, for for the future. And I think it all aligns. At at the moment, when you look at their cloud stuff, we've we've said earlier that it kind of sucks, right? xCloud is just... It's not. It was. It was always behind Stadia, and it's far behind GeForce now. Um, obviously, they had their RTX oh, yeah. cards or GPUs in there, yeah. um, and it's far behind mm-hmm. that. So, like, how do you close that if they see that as their important future? Maybe it being twenty thirty five or whatever. You need to move that over to PC, right? Surely, and, and on the server side. So, so then, what do you do with your console side? Um, so, I think it, it all signs right. kind of point towards it being more PC like down down the line, right? Um, which we've been cr- gradually creeping towards in in this generation. It's definitely been a, a lot more PC like in terms of the, the experience of being able to pick different modes on most games and, and have all that support. Um, and I, I think mm-hmm. that's that's what they need to solve um, just to get these games into the cloud and, and, and beyond if that's if that's their ambition and then on the mobile side it's like mm. taking all these great ips bringing them to mobile bringing them to whatever the next generation switches um but yeah i i think all signs kind of point towards them going down a more pc-like route so but i don't think you'll be able to swap out the gpu on your next day spots but yeah <laughs> That would be <laughs> no. I think it's always going to be a, a fixed, uh, a fixed hardware platform. Yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously, thinking about it, there's no reason why the version of the game running on Xbox has to be the version running in the cloud, right? Yeah. Uh, because all Xbox games run in the cloud. Just do settings parity with a console. Run it on you know whatever hardware PCR. you want to run it on in the yeah. cloud. 
and um, and you can get a much better experience based on what we're seeing right here, right now with GeForce Now, which uh, I was astonished, John, uh, and I'm going to raise this once again, having, having poo-pooed cloud gaming for literally years, <laughs> I finally got you to test the GeForce Now 4080 tier, and uh, you almost bought in. <laughs> well, I mean... I thought it was a very impressive, and but most of my concerns around cloud remain the fact that it's, it, if that becomes the primary business model, that eliminates so many things. Mm -hmm. Modding is dead. Ownership is dead. Companies have 100% control on what you can play, when you can play it, all this stuff. Like, all the control is just erased completely. We can't allow it to get to that point. That's the key. Yeah, I think the PC platform's not going anywhere. So even if the console metamorphosizes into some kind of cloud client units, the PC will still be there to do that. But it would be a massive shame to see the console model just kind of fizzle out over the course of time. That's for Yeah, sure. definitely. And, and I totally agree with John. Like, I, the thing that frustrates me a little bit about Game Pass and everyone kind of cheering on almost, because um, it is a good deal for consumers right now, but but in, in the long term, it does take away that ownership. You, you, it's, it's the same as what's happened to music and Spotify and stuff. You, you don't own any of that music. Um, and even even right now, digital games, you buy them, you don't own them. I can't like go and just give it to a friend um, or sell it on to someone. Mm -hmm. or There's still not that model there. Um, and I think until they address that, um, I think there's still going to be a large amount of people who that still want that disc that physical ownership of, of stuff um it's just for a collection as well right you have your big collection of discs and stuff um, but having that ownership is, yeah. is, is very much key so that does definitely that's that, mm. definitely, that concerns me for the future i do wonder whether the eu are going to step in at some point with uh, regards to digital ownership because clearly there are profound issues there which yeah, on the game side resolved. There's, there's yeah there's massive issues i think on the game side because at least at least with like movies you have that like you have like a digital almost like ticket don't you to take it to to, to mm. services if you buy it on blu-ray um but that, that just doesn't really exist on the gaming side at all so like if i if i buy a copy of call of g i should just be able to then go and take it to playstation on digital right if they're, if they're the same game yeah. like there's so many contracts in place and stuff to prevent that so that it's consumer harm that i have to buy it twice right i don't have to buy a blu-ray movie twice just because i want to pay on a, on a sony blu-ray player or an lg one right like this yeah i mean they, they definitely need to address that um at some point in the future so Absolutely. I kind of think we've covered all of the points we wanted to cover now. So I wanted to thank you for joining us on this one, Tom, yeah, because no. uh, we, haven't, we haven't really sort of discussed the uh, the whole FTC situation on DF Direct too much because fundamentally uh, we're not qualified. And fundamentally we don't have a huge amount of interests in, in uh, beyond reading your articles on the <laughs> comings and goings that are happening. I don't, I don't feel super qualified uh, so, either. I just feel like I've just lived it. <laughs> for the past like you've, two years, you, you've done the legwork though that's yeah, for sure yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and it, it was certainly great to read your blogging during the whole ftc uh hearing just to you know i wouldn't say it was an f5ing experience <laughs> but to get those those constant updates uh from twitter it must have been quite draining yeah it, was. it seemed to be just you you on that beat yeah i mean yeah. I, I had um a couple of other people like um Andrew and Addy on our team were, were helping out a lot. So it's, it's not, it looks like it's just me, but it's, there's a lot of help there <laughs> in the background. It, you took all the credit. I took all the you credit. All yeah, the credit I'll, 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 I'll take the credit. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was quite, um, I think our aim for it all was like, 
a lot of people like live tweeting every single word of the of the um ftc case and i think like that's that's great for a certain audience but i think most people just don't really want to follow it along that closely they they just kind of want to understand it um and understand what's yeah, going on absolutely so we were trying to that was of, crucial yeah we were trying to kind of like process that and here's all the, the legal speak and just get it into sort of language that gamers would understand essentially and just anyone can yeah. read um so that was kind of like the aim of that yeah, context, nuance, yeah. Uh, explanation. Yeah. I mean, there were some weird things that happened. Uh, the whole um, uh, Kotick confirming next generation Switch yeah. being as powerful as PlayStation 4. Did, did that actually happen or was it misreported or uh, did he say words to the effect? I don't think he's... Yeah, I'm not, I, I can't remember him saying that it was going to be as powerful as the PS4. Um, right. But he was basically saying that um, that they would definitely want to bring Call of Duty to that, to that platform. So, um, yeah. Which would make Which sense. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for joining yeah, no us worries. here. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to actually put a, a bookend to this and hopefully never discuss it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you did enjoy the content, please do like, subscribe, share, ring the bell for whatever notifications Google throws your way. Um, I'm being notified of my own content. Uh, and nothing else nice. now. I, I was enjoying a random phase of random gaming in HD, which was great, but that's gone now, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, DF supports program, join us, become part of our amazing community, early access, bonus material, the whole nine yards. Um, but that's all from us on this, on this DF Direct special. Thanks for watching.